we're building a platform. We're talking to all kinds of companies that are trying to help people get in shape or to lose weight or just in general be healthier, uh, be more fit, be more toned, be more muscular, whatever, whatever it is, and saying, let's use computer vision to track results. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of the show. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Brian Switchko of One Inc. We are a creative cohort and storytelling studio based in Los Angeles. I've been a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast since the beginning. I've been a member of the We Are LA Tech community since the beginning. I am so happy and grateful to have known Esprit and watched the genesis of both. Um, but I've remained a listener because of the warmth that she shares with her listeners and her audience, but also the space that she makes uh, for her, her guests and the stories that come from that. And then also to know that those stories aren't just stories. They aren't just content. Uh, they're a part of a community and that community is something that can be experienced in so many different ways. And the times that I've been able to meet other people and connect with them from the community have resulted in meaningful relationships and potent business partnerships and you know, at so many situations where I can track back person to person, situation to situation over months and years. Um, and, and just point to as free as the catalyst for, for what, you know, you look back and it's just, it's just magic. Uh, I'm so happy and grateful for as free and the We Are LA Tech community. I will continue listening, participating and happily cheering for a very long time to come. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast, spotlighting LA tech companies and talent. Uh, this is Dave Whalen. I'm the CEO of Bioscience LA. I've uh, been guest hosting, supporting Esprit and the entire We Are LA Tech podcast community, and so thrilled to have Steve Raymond on today, who usually uh, I feel like I, I, I know the entire story of people that I'm having on uh, the podcast, and this is a fun one for me because I've I've met Steve. I know a little bit about what he does, but not the whole story. So uh, we'll all be learning it together. So Steve, welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, just uh, you know, say hi and tell us a little bit about kind of you know start as far back as you want, but would love to just hear. Tell us your story. Sure. Hey, Dave. Um, great to be on. My my name is uh, Steve Raymond. I'm the CEO of Prism Labs. I've been working in the Los Angeles technology community basically you know on and off since 1998 when I came here to go to UCLA for graduate school. I was here when we when the tech community was just consisted of the meeting where we all came together and rang our hands and said, why can't we be more like San Francisco? And that, that actually happened and it lasted for like five years in like the early 2000s. But there was always a little bit of a tech community here. Um, I was lucky enough to, I, I actually was lucky enough to really join it at, at, at a startup in, in 2000, uh, this company called Enow. We were doing real-time indexing of uh, of the internet it was before Google existed, and and it was like sort of what Google Alerts became. Went down to San Diego to work at uh, Music Match, 
and that got bought by Yahoo Music, which was based in Santa Monica, and they moved me and my young family back up here and uh, basically been here ever since in, in the west side of Los Angeles working in technology. I started in music. We had a really great team and a great run. It was an amazing group of people. It was, it was the original, I would say, um, you know, kind of uh, L.A. Mafia back there, uh, Dave Goldberg and a lot of people who are doing amazing things worked in that you know little group there. And just just a reminder of that because I, I remember I remember Music Match. And I can I feel like I can remember like almost like the the logo, but like what um, you know this was the emerging world of uh, of of you know music, and this is kind of the post post Napster post you know stealing music you know era of of music. But what was Music Match doing exactly? It was an incredibly innovative company. It was sort of like two main bursts of, of innovation. One was they were really the first ripping and burning engine for CDs. And so they, the, the value proposition was you, you know, you bought a new computer and it had a, a CD, you know, drive, CD-ROM drive that you could r- read and write. And, um, and so everybody wanted to take all of their CDs and, and kind of put them in, into MP3 files. And you needed software to do that. And you need software not only to do the ripping and burning, but to organize your library. And so everybody kind of takes that for granted, you know, but, um, but it, it was difficult software to make at the beginning because there were no standards. Uh, the, the operating system didn't really handle your, your hardware as well as it, you know, ended up doing, you know, windows kind of caught up, but, but for a while there you had to access those, those, um, pieces of hardware at a, at a pretty low level. And so that, that was the first thing. And then the second thing, which is probably even more visionary was we were the first subscription music product um, available. And so it was the, um, you know, the, the very beginning of you could pay $5 a month and stream music without ads uh, into, into your uh, computer. And it was a, a product called artist match radio. And it would be kind of in Spotify if you, you click like artist radio now is algorithmically th- derived, you know, kind of music that was seeded by the name of a, of a single artist. Um, we were the first ones to allow you to share playlists, you know, on the internet um, at, at scale. Anyway, there were, you know, so, so, some other ways to, to do it. Yeah. And we were um, one of the biggest um, content delivery network partners in the world. Uh, we basically made LimeWire uh, a thing. Uh, we were their biggest customer. Yahoo bought it and and, and continued with the vision. Yahoo uh, was really the first company to price subscription streaming music um, at five dollars a month and make it you know and really get behind it. We we sponsored the two thousand and five VMAs or two thousand six VMAs and and we're really you know behind it. And then we also built the very first. MP3 player that would play um, subscription music tracks when you weren't connected to the internet, uh, which you know um, predated the iPhone. So it was it was a lot of innovation going on. Yeah, and this was all this was all on this was just kind of browser based on a computer. So this was because the the iPod had come out uh, just as uh, you know just just before you you joined, right? So that not that that launched the. It did not launch that market, but it certainly popularized it. Well, we were Music Match was shipped with the first PC iPods because we, the the PC iPod predated PC window PC um, iTunes, so you there was no iTunes on PC. 
Right, right. This was with H HP, like HP's deal or whatever. Was that? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that, yeah. I know a lot. A lot of. I actually got in big trouble for for that deal because they. Um, yeah, th- that was that was the iTunes deal. But 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 anyway, the not big trouble. But I was bad mouthing Carly Fiorina at a at an at an event, and I had to get a stern talking to by my 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 boss at the time, but. Yeah, it was, you know, it was music was at the forefront kind of of, uh, of you know, kind of this di- digital revolution. It was you know, before video was really um, widely being be able to be distributed because the files were too big and the codecs weren't good enough. And so music was kind of pushing, pushing the way. So it was a really great space to be in. It was it was it was fun. Um, yeah, we, we spent. Uh, I, I flew all over the world making that MP3 player uh, to Seoul, to Tokyo, to Europe, you know, um, it, it, trying to you know pitch people on the idea that people wanted to take their subscription music with them, and you know, kind of we're, we were we were trailblazing. We we made some mistakes, and that's why you know it ended up being kind of the iPhone, you know, tech stack that won instead of Microsoft's, which was what we were based on. But um, yeah, we it, I learned a lot about you know kind of licensing and content rights and you know how, how to do deals and all that stuff working there it was a really great time in my career um, but it came to an end um, basically because the iPhone came out when the iPhone came out I quit a couple months later because I saw the writing on the wall for where it was all going and went into social media which was you know kind of an, an exciting time I, I worked for a little startup run by Evan Rifkin in Santa Monica which was um trying to convince content companies not to just use uh, Facebook as their social media company to kind of keep control of it. And um, we had amazing tech. We were very well funded. Uh, we ended up being bought by MTV networks. Um, but, you know, uh, ultimately um, Facebook, you know, everybody was just too lazy <laughs> and they took the Facebook route. And then, you know, what happened to them was what we told them was going to happen to them. Um, but it was kind of, you know, inevitable in hindsight. Um, and that's a lot of the theme of, you know, I think technology in, in my career, you know, is like looking for kind of inevitable technologies and trying to get in them a couple of years before anybody else knows they're happening and, and trying to be on the right side of it. And sometimes you are, you know, sometimes you aren't, um, but, but it, it can be a really kind of fun and exciting place to work and so um after we sold that i i um it was a it was after the 2008 kind of downturn so i did some work for comcast i started a influencer ad network for them and then i started my own company called big frame which was one of the first youtube multi-channel networks uh, along with my co-founder sarah penna and we were you know sort of the first um premium influencer ad network kind of in the world. Um, we, we figured out how to price at kind of scale and to predict that, you know, kind of viewership at scale, uh, influencer videos on YouTube, uh, for, for integration deals, which now of course is, you know, how a lot of advertising gets bought and sold and, you know, there's, it's done, but we, you know, I, I was running around telling venture capitalists and, angel investors and everybody there's these people and they're in their mom's basement and they've got more video views than you know mtv does on the internet or nbc and people looked at me like i was crazy um and it was a it was a great time we sold that company to dreamworks animation jeffrey katzenberg and um brian robbins at uh, 
at Awesomeness TV, and um, I stayed there for a while. And then I, ever since 2015, when I left um, Awesomeness TV, I've been working on 3D human reconstruction using cameras. And so that's kind of... Wow. Yeah. And I want to, yeah, I want to, we'll talk about that in a second. Just, I have to ask the question because uh, selling a company to Katzenberg, uh, uh, what can you tell it's us? It's <laughs> great. It's really great because the thing about people like Jeffrey Katzenberg is, is that they, you know, when you do M&A, one of the things that can happen is, is like, you know, that, like smaller time ac- acquirers or, you know, that there can be, there can be a lot of kind of bad faith stuff going on and we at, at big frame we had a situation where we had you know kind of we, we had to sell the company that you know the the writing was sort of on the wall that there was going to be consolidation and our you know our, our model was successful successful and profitable but not you know enough to kind of keep going and, and so we had been in talks with some other players about acquisition and there had been some you know retrading and kind of just you know we had been kind of kicked around a lot but by, by some people who you know, were, you know, be, they were, you know, just tr- trying to like kind of grind us down. And then, you know, when you're, whichever Katzenberg tells you he's going to buy your company for a certain amount of money, he buys your company for a certain amount of money. You know, like there's no, he's not going to waste a lot of time trying to grind you. And so that was just, you know, being able to kind of shake somebody's hand, look them in the eye, I know you have a deal. And then the lawyers do the deal exactly the way it was discussed in, in a week, you know, like that's, that's nice. And, um, you know, got to have some power lunches with him. Um, I'm not an entertainment person and, and my, you know, my, my, I'm a technologist. And so I sort of end, have ended up in, in the content side of the business a little bit by accident. So I'm a little bit of a fish out of water in Jeffrey's circles. Yeah. He, he's a wonderful guy and, uh, and a, and a really a, a big asset for, uh, to, you know, to Los Angeles as a philanthropist as well. So. It was really great to get to know. You know, you said you're not an entertainment guy, not a content guy. Um, you spent the time in the music industry, which led to this influencer thing. And then, you know, back to this next stage of the story. Um, so as you just described this, you know, 3D, uh, you know, 3D visual. Yeah, I mean, it's it just sort of comes down to, you know, the content is very slowly. Like, I mean, in 2015, if I'd have known how long this was all going to take, I might have made some different decisions. But I... <laughs> You know, I got really fascinated with the future of, of content going into immersive computing, spatial computing. And, that, you know, if you look at my career, right, it's just like human human beings are the most interesting things to other human beings. Right. And, the, and so content is always it's always focused on on, on humans. We want to see see them and, and also certain people are more interesting than others. Right. And so, you know, there's there's actors and actresses and influences and musicians who just are captivating to us and being able to, uh, the company that I became CEO of eight, I, you know, the, the premise of that was how do we capture human performance in 3d? And they were the very first ones to be able to demonstrate volumetric video, you know, with, with that sense of presence and, and realism. Um, that's still, I don't think a lot of people have even, um, you know, experienced being, you know, kind of in a VR headset with the recording of another person. And is this, sorry, is this doing motion, like motion capture, like with the sensors on, you know, actors' bodies or? No, it's full, 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 well, the, the technology there is called photogrammetry and, and it's, um, 
it's uh, using cameras and no no markers at all. It's and so the the rig that you know the the history of of eight I was that you know the 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 market didn't develop and the content capture apparatus was just too big and expensive. Um, there's too many cameras, too much compute required, too much bandwidth required to, to you know kind of stream stream it, etc. So we made some amazing content. We recorded a lot of interesting stuff um that you know that's that's out there um but um yeah it, it ultimately like the technology couldn't get to you know the, the use case and the, and the technology never got big enough to sort of justify a, a big company but the the technology itself is amazing you know uh and we we had a we had a value that you know we make mind-blowing tech and almost everybody who worked at that company you know was was uh, passionate about the the future of content and, and just how incredible you know the memory making capability of 3d content is but um it's still very nascent there's other companies still doing volumetric video with with lots of cameras etc and you you know you can see content like that from time to time but it just hasn't really gotten there it's still you know most human content is game engine driven content you know it's not recorded content so that's the difference. That sort of technology, it's waiting for what? So headsets to be more powerful, for networks to be more powerful. Kind of what is it? What's required for everyone to have this in their homes? Yeah, I mean, all, all of that. Yeah, all of that. It's got to be, you know, that there's, um, we have, I mean, I met with Spielberg. I met with, you know, lots of amazing d- directors. They They wanted to sort of, you know, do stuff. Um, but it just, the medium wasn't ready. Um, cause the storytelling capability, when you can actually have the person who's viewing the content be part of the content is, you know, is when that, when that does happen, some amazing stuff will be created, but it, it's just, you know, we're, we're, we're a ways away. Yeah. And it, it does take, you know, you mentioned things take longer and uh, we'll, we won't turn this into a whole sidebar, but I, you probably saw as well that, you know, John Carmack uh, just, you know, just left Meta and, you know, his, his sort of diatribe going out was things just aren't efficient enough. And, you know, I don't know if he's talking about the tech or just the, you know, the organization of, of, of Meta, but, uh, or probably a combination, but, you know, everything everything takes longer and, you know, nothing happens in the, the streamlined way that someone, you know, an innovator like him would like. Big companies just really have a tough time innovating. I've been in enough big companies, you know, as a result of being acquired by them to, you know, to understand that, that, that that's the case. It's going to have to, you know, kind of come from, from smaller companies. And um, so I can see where a guy like him would be frustrated at a big, at a bigger place. So, yeah, no, that that makes sense. And so you, you know, you you leave you leave AI. You're kind of working on some stuff that leads to, uh, you know, fairly recently, uh, you kind of launching Prism. I joined Prism at last. Uh, I, I was uh, in between AI and Prism. I was doing some consulting and um, found you know found this company and this team basically of computer vision experts uh, based in. Uh, Austria, and uh, they had been part of a venture-funded company previously that we, uh, the, the current investors, you know, uh, acquired, and now we've sort of reconstituted that company. And the 
it's still 3D human reconstruction, but instead of a whole bunch of cameras, it's using a single camera. And that's you know, based on my learnings from the first time that the, you know, the only way that this stuff is going to scale is that the capture technology, you know, ultimately becomes part of the, part of the, you know, kind of internet hardware that the, the, the technology we're using right now to capture this podcast, it's, it's gotta be portable, small, affordable for lots of people. You know, if you want to have sort of like whatever the, the YouTube of, 3D content is going to be, or the TikTok of, you know, 3D content. Now um, it's going to have to be, you know, a single camera and a lot of, you know, stuff. And, and the, the, the cool part about it from a technology standpoint is, is machine learning and, you know, and AI are arriving at the scene right at the time, you know, when that's needed to, to kind of make that vision possible. And so at, at Prism Labs, we, we're building, you know, machine learning. We're not trying to solve a content problem though. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we very specifically are trying to uh, are, are working in, in wellness and, and health, and uh, and uh, that's because the the capabilities that that we're developing um, are, are extreme accuracy with with like small amounts of, of input, and so you know ultimately maybe our technology will find its way into you know, into content you know making. Um, I certainly think that's very likely, um, but the but the near term as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm a technologist and I'm, you know, kind of like finally back to working on in a, in a sector that's not uh, content here in Los Angeles. <laughs> so it took, it took me 20, 20 something years to find a way to do it. But I did it. <laughs> yeah. And I think the idea of picking, you know, picking that target market or picking that beachhead market and staying focused and making something happen and then eventually being able to maybe see it go broader is, is a good Good lesson there. So I you know I've I've done a lot of work in the you know fitness wellness space. Uh, Esprit, you know our esteemed uh, you know main host. You know this is a really passionate area of hers. So would love to hear just kind of um, is this you know I, I've I've worked on things in the past where you know you're able to understand kind of how the body can change over time or what's going on. You know what what are you what are you trying to do specifically with uh, with Prism in the fitness space or wellness? How does that how does it work? It's it's very specifically like you know getting in shape now ever since the iPhone and the, and the, and the, you know, the Apple watch we've all, we've seen that sort of like tracking has become a big part of it, you know, with Ura rings and, and, you know, tracking your sleep, tracking what you eat, how you exercise. It, it's helpful because it allows people to kind of like feel like they've got some, some control, but what you can't really track is the results very easily. And with computer vision now you can. And so we've, pioneered um, a technology we're, we're really the only um, company that can do a 3d reconstruction using a single camera with a non-rigid subject um, which means you know previously uh, if you wanted to get super hyper accurate measurements of a body the body had to be still while you were taking the, the measurements which meant you either had to surround them with cameras or you had to spin them around in front of cameras like on a literal turntable and so that's what the state of the art was. And so we've cracked that um, and we've got, you know, really, really accurate results with depth cameras, even color cameras using using machine learning. And so the idea is, is that um, you can see the, the results that that are even really hard with the naked eye to, to be able to kind of pinpoint. We can track your your body composition over time. And so 
up until now, like hit fitness has always been about just basically one number. How much do you weigh? And it's actually, uh, the more you talk to experts, the, it's not a very helpful number. Uh, and, and it's depressing for a lot of people to actually kind of be in this, in this, um, you know, kind of turntable of, of, I know I'm supposed to lose weight, but like the things that I do don't necessarily make me lose weight. And when I feel my healthiest, it's not necessarily I'm at my lowest weight, what's going on here. And so it's really like the, the better number is your, is your body fat percentage and, and, and also like your diameters and, 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 and your measurements, et cetera. And so, so we're democratizing the ability to measure that. And we think within a, you know, a, a few technology cycles, we'll be able to have that so that you can have it in your home, your doctor's office, your gym, uh, wherever it needs to be, um, to, to just, you know, really get that. And so we're building a platform. We're talking to all kinds of companies that are trying to help people get in shape or to lose weight, or just in general, be healthier, uh, be more fit, be more toned, be more muscular, whatever, whatever it is. And saying, let's use computer vision to track results. And that's, you know, that's, that's the vision. Um, and it's exciting, you know, I mean, it, it works. Um, there's a whole, you know, kind of, uh, we're uncovering all this entire community of kind of people who have been screaming, you know, who, who understand physiology and who understand motivation. And they're saying, yeah, this is, this is what we need. Um, and, and it's also thank, thankfully for us, when you introduce body composition to people at like the point of purchase consideration for getting in shape, either to join a gym or to buy some exercise equipment or to become a subscriber to a program, it increases their conversion and it also helps you retain the blogger. So, so we're basically, you know, kind of ad tech for companies that want to help people get in shape. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, that, that is really interesting. And, uh, part of the direction I, I thought this might go, because once upon a time, I, we were working with a company that was called visual fitness planner and they were, uh, you know, and they had essentially, this was, you know, not this kind of technology. It was really just, it was almost more of the computer gaming kind of thing, or, you know, the, imagine you build your, you know, you build your avatar now in every system, when you get some sort of computer game, you build your avatar and like, you want it to be tall or short, you know, skinny or fat, you know, hair color. They were, you know, they were essentially building a model of what someone looked like and then they could show you, what would happen if you do good stuff in your life or conversely, what would happen if you, you know, do bad stuff in your life. But again, the whole idea was you, you know, it's the, it's the FOMO or, you know, whatever, you know, kind of fear factor type thing where you show this to someone and then they look at this and they say, Oh, you know what? I've got to join this gym now because uh, I've got to sign up for these personal training sessions because I want to look like that. Or I don't want to look like that. It sounds like you can, leapfrog that kind of thing by it's you know this is not just a it's not a cartoon this is this is you and then it's also being able to track the results because as you said results sometimes not sometimes results always take longer than we want them to whether it's in building companies or in kind of reshaping our bodies but also everyone's body is going to respond different ways and uh you know and you know my wife and i struggle with this because you know we're um, you know, we're both trying, you know, I mean, I'm trying to lose weight, you know, we're both trying to be more fit. Um, I'm not losing weight. Uh, you know, she's a lot more fit, but she's putting on muscle, which means 
her weight is not going the direction that, you know, theoretically she wants it to, but she also feels better. That's like the easiest problem to visualize that we're solving, which is when you're out of shape and you start to do the things that are that are right, you don't necessarily see results on the scale, but you can see them in the mirror. Um, and, uh, and we can see them, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. And, and it works. I mean, we, this technology is actually not new. It's just been really expensive and hard to access before. And so we know it works. We know it works both from a, you know, uh, helping people get fit, but also from a marketing standpoint, it works. And so it's just about like getting it into a package. And, you know, and our breakthrough is, is that because of machine learning, we can do it now with color cameras and just a little bit of depth information, which brings iPhones into the picture. And so we've got that working. We're kind of in early market testing with that technology. And that, that's really exciting. But on top of just like solving the problem of reconstruction, we have databases of like hundreds of thousands of, of bodies, longitudinal, you know, with the same person scanning themselves as they gain weight, lose weight, muscle, et cetera. And so we've built neural networks that will show you what you'll look like at any given body composition and weight um, very, very accurately, like to the point where it's uncanny. You know, that's kind of, for me, what machine learning is all about. It's just like, uncanny. you know, as AI, everybody's playing around with stable diffusion and, and these types of technologies. It's weird how good it is. And, and, and it's the same thing, you know, with, with our technology. It just, it works incredibly well. And so on top of just being able to measure, it's it's the insights that we can give you to into 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 how things are going. And that's and as we become partners with companies that are helping you exercise, the promise is is like we can give you an insight given like your age, your sex, how you know, where where you are in life, how much time you have to exercise, right? What what type of exercise should you be doing, right? And and right now people don't really know. Um, and it's very frustrating. And so, you know, and a lot of people work out wrong because uh, they're just like, okay, I just go, you know, and I'll do the thing that I like to do or that I've done before and gotten results. And it's like, well, that worked when you were 20. It's not going to work now. This is what you should do. And so once you can start to measure results and put that data into the massive data sets that computers are good at analyzing, it's it's going to be transformational to, to how people um you know, and, and, and I and I really believe that that people will will uh, will overcome problems with with fitness and wellness and appearance that they've been really struggling with because they, they now they have this new tool set. Yeah, well, I think the the feedback and you know I I worked uh, you you've talked about a, a few companies and technologies where you were uh, you you developed or you were part of developing innovative technology that was ahead of you know ahead of the market ahead of the curve and you know i i worked on a, a wearable you know one of the first wearable products with 24-hour fitness you know back in 2004 and we had this incredible wearable you wore it on your upper arm it was uh, had all these sensors it was incredibly accurate but we had a wearable in a world that didn't yet have the iphone and didn't yet have Facebook. So we had incredible data, but there was no way for people to share it. And so, you know, ultimately that was not, you know, it was not a commercial success, but now of course, you know, similar technologies are out there. But I think the key thing that we saw from that was this feedback loop of if you, you know, everyone struggles for, I'm trying something, I don't know what it's doing. 
if you can just build a little bit of here's the data, you know, here's how it shows up and you build this cycle, people actually do respond to that. And uh, so finally, with wearables, we have a little bit of that. Um, I've seen some technology recently that, you know, could be some similar kind of stuff, but, you know, that's, you know, essentially food tracking, food logging is another, you know, is another thing that people struggle with, you know, it's, it's, it's hard and it takes a lot of time. You know, there's people who are using now, uh, you know, AI with uh, with your iPhone camera. So basically, take a picture of your plate, and suddenly it says, "Okay, you're this is this much protein, fats, and carbs." I mean, it's amazing. It's looking at your plate and figuring out what's there. Yeah, that's a great use case for computer vision. I mean, computer vision. Once you start working in computer vision, it really because it's it's very human, right? It, it, it's very much. Like it, it can it, it allows computers to do things that we're good at doing because we have eyes and we you know we and we're our brains are sort of designed to take that information in and estimate stuff and, and so so it's yeah it's it's powerful and it's coming in you know and it's coming for you know to do a lot of good I think yeah yeah so right now so you're uh, sounds like you're talking to a lot of potential partners for this you know it could be iphone uh you know iphone camera eventually um but so right now sort of how does how does a consumer uh interface with something like this or maybe more importantly what kind of business partners are you looking for that might be listening or we could help connect to yeah 2023 is really our we we, we sort of started talking about our technology in the summer of 2022 and we've got you know some some early traction there's three ways to work with us uh right now one we will be launching a sub one thousand dollar uh hardware product on a kickstarter where you can you know kind of buy, buy that if you you know want to bring it into your business or your or your home there are companies that that have you know that have these in the plus five thousand dollar range, and the software costs hundreds of dollars a month. Ours will be much, you know. Basically, we're we're shooting for ten percent the cost of what's out there in the market. So that that'll that'll happen as a as a consumer or small business owner. That's that's a product um, for any company that has a, a that has an iPhone based product. Uh, that that is subscription based or any, you know has any kind of business model really where you're trying to get people to change their behavior in order to change their physical appearance we will have an offering uh we will have an offering that you can either integrate into your product or you can just integrate into your growth marketing uh, to give people the ability to measure themselves uh periodically uh and, and see what's working and, and what isn't um, and then we have a full set of APIs uh, that anybody can kind of integrate with. We have some partners who are who are looking at that. You have to have some hardware expertise to you know kind of go there. But there there are solutions out there. You know, kind of mostly based on like the Microsoft Connect platform for you know helping people exercise. And we're targeting those companies to um, to say, hey, well, if you've got a depth camera in your hardware stack already, why don't you Measure, help people measure body composition, um, and from from our standpoint, you know, and, and this is and this is you know being in LA and the history that I have, I guess, kind of getting back to the beginning, right? Like a lot of technology companies, like create a new, they create something new, and Peloton and all of this home exercise is a great example, and a whole bunch of copycats come in or different flavors of it, and and there's this big pop, and then all of a sudden everybody's just competing on price and content, right? And so, and 
and in LA, we know that like once you're competing on content, that means it's hard to make money because you either have to have hits or you have to have stars or you have to have famous people like, and they make all the money. And so, um, we're going to these companies and saying, how about some technology, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that can really differentiate your, your product. And it's not just, you know, our, our, pro our technology is the component. You have to figure out like how you're going to market yourselves to your, and, and your offering, but you can do it in a context that says, here's how you're going to change and we're going to help you change. Here's how we're going to do it. And so that's, uh, that's the promise of the company. We're really excited about it. We're, we're very, we've had a very great last six months in terms of things breaking our way on the technology stamp, you know, from the technology front. Um, it was a difficult time to come to market with, you know, kind of the pandemic ended and a lot of these fitness companies, you know, kind of, uh, receding from pandemic level highs, but, um, that actually forced us to be a little bit, I think more, more, targeted and we're coming out of it stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you're, you know, things do kind of, you know, resettle, re, you know, reconfigure, but, uh, you know, for sure that home fitness market is not going away. Um, you know, and if, if anything, the, you know, even the people who are going back into the gym, they're trying to figure out how to balance these things. And if you can, if you can replace an expensive person with a less expensive technology that you can do, uh, you know, more regularly, or, you know, I think for, you know, for what you're building, you know, there's a lot of people who, even if they're still going to the gym, don't want to, you know, pay for that kind of body composition screening, or, you know, if they're working out with their personal trainer, they probably don't want their personal trainer to like, you know, see them naked every week to understand every little thing, but you might be willing to do it in front of your, you know, in front of technology, assuming you feel like it's not, you know, yeah, you don't have to be naked. You just have to be wearing tight, tight fitting clothes. And and I do, and I do think that like the the trainer model is a powerful one, you know, and and that we're going to assist them in being more effective and being and being more, you know. So I I don't I don't know that we, you know, need the trainer to go away. I, I, in fact, I think this is going to be kind of the decade of the time when people more people have trainers uh, because they're going to be more armed with better, better tools um, and there's a lot of history as to why as to why you know that that is that i'm learning <laughs> but uh yeah so I, I think i think you're going to see people you know say okay this is finally going to work for me uh in a, a little bit better way because i'm more motivated and i'm more in tune with like what i'm trying to achieve right right and again and you got some data to you know data to support it and you know more more clear guidance about what's working and what's not which i think helps you know helps the consumer helps the trainer certainly helps the companies so this is well this is exciting and i'm definitely looking forward to seeing how this evolves and you know how we can get this more plugged into la and you know kind of want to wind down with you know you mentioned early on you moved to you know you moved to la in you know kind of the pre uh you know pre-tech boom here in los angeles and you know how how have things gotten better how have you been able to leverage kind of the the la tech community you know what's working what's not what can we do more of oh i mean it's night and day i, I think los angeles is a, is a fantastic uh place to build technology i mean uh we finally got over like our our second city you know, San Francisco's always got the second city mentality when it comes to LA about almost everything, but you know, obviously tech and, and we we felt really inferior down here 
for a while. And, and I, that's, you know, that's been gone. We've got really good uh, early stage venture capitalists who are, who are based here. You know, that was a main, main thing that was missing for a long time. It was really hard to raise capital in the, in the, in the aughts here in LA, you had to go up to the Bay area and, and, and you know, we, you were just at a disadvantage. And so now that, you know, that, that's, that's been an amazing thing. And then you've had several, you know, generations of people doing it for a while, you know, like there's, there's the grizzled people like me. And then, you know, uh, and, and, and I've had, I have a huge network of people who are working in all kinds of different tech. Uh, they're in the big companies, the small companies, they're writing angel checks, et cetera. So I think, I think LA, you know, is, is a really uh, great place, um, you know, and, and the one thing, and I, and I, my hats off to people like you, Dave, is, is like the pandemic, I think really kind of, and, and the remote work, you know, I'm, I'm working from home. It's harder to kind of network now uh, than I think it, it was, you know, five years ago. Uh, so we need to kind of get that back and figure out how that's going to work. Cause you, cause you have to, you have to get exposed to people who are just people who, you know, uh, and how does that, you know, happen? And we need to have, you know, uh, more events and, and, uh, content that, you know, and, and keep pushing ourselves to, to be exposed because it is the, the, the network, it, it, networking is how you, uh, grow your career. It's how you build businesses. It's how you fund businesses, how you sell businesses. And so you've got to do it. And, and, and if you're, you know, working 10 hours a day in your bedroom or in your home office and, uh, and then, you know, just playing with your dogs, uh, at night, you know, you're, you're going to fall behind. So you got to find a way to, to, to keep injecting, uh, networking into your, into your daily, uh, or your week, your weekly plan. Yeah, totally, totally agree. You and I, uh, we've seen people, met people. And when you're in a place like LA, as I think you said, you tend to, you connect these, uh, it's, like it's the Venn diagram of different industries, right? And you've been in tech, you've been in audio media and video media and, uh, you know, touching on video games and touching on other things. All of that, you know, all of those are their own networks that have a little bit of overlap. And so if you get in front of one of those kinds of people, you're not just introducing them to someone they already know, you're introducing them to all these different rings of, uh, you know, rings of networks. And that's where... Ultimately, where I think LA is is just such a cool place because we've got so many different kinds of people doing not just one industry like like the Bay Area because even the tech industry in the Bay Area is almost too focused. You're preaching to the choir. Yeah, the LA is the greatest city in the world to live in, as far as I'm concerned. That's why I live here, and uh, and it's a great great place to hire people. It's a great place to start a business, raise a family, all of those things. So we've got a lot going for us. Um, and, and it's important that we all, you know, accept that and, uh, and rejoice in that and then support one another. Yeah, in that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, on that note, any, uh, you know, out, outside of the workplace, uh, you know, any, any fun, you know, insider tricks, you know, what do you do for fun in LA? What do you, uh, you know, what do you know about that you want people to know about without spoiling your favorite hiking spot or, uh, you know, dog walking trail or whatever, but, uh, you know, what can you tell us? I, well, so I travel a lot. I have traveled a lot my entire, you know, career, and I'm a big time foodie. And uh, and I guess one of the realizations that I've, and I've been going to Europe a lot lately with this current company. And uh, and and I have a hot take. My hot take is is that the best cuisine in the world is Mexican food in Los Angeles. And so um, 
and it's just so good and it's so varied and there's so much of it you know and and it's uh it's family-owned businesses and it's um you know it's no two places are kind of the same they all have their own different take on, on stuff there's the you know now there's all the street stuff i mean so just make sure you're you know kind of eating spicy hot mexican food a couple <laughs> times a week it's it is the best cuisine in the world yeah you know i i, I love that you know I, I grew up in central pennsylvania where uh, i think i barely you know mexican food back then was the uh you know the ortega taco shells from the supermarket with uh you know hamburger meat with a couple spices uh you know that was kind of all i knew and you come to california it said i i thought you know in like you know even san francisco versus la versus san diego those are three completely different Mexican genres, but you know, I think you're right. LA, uh, you know, every every neighborhood has a different angle. There's just so much variety. You could get Oaxacan, you could get you know, uh, uh, you know, Jalisco, you could get Tijuana, you could get Baja. I mean, all, all the different kinds and the ingredients are so fresh, and, and then there's such a melting pot and a fusion. It's it's just so cool, and so. I, I always come off the plane and get to tacos por favor. It's in on Olympic, uh, you know, usually before I come home. That's very cool. Excellent. Now you're, ma- now you're making me hungry. So it's, you know, Saturday morning as we record this. <laughs> Let's go get about, some burritos. Where, where am I going to go eat later? But uh, this, this is awesome. But excellent. Well, Steve, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, hanging out with We Are LA Tech podcast today. Uh, please do connect and collaborate with, uh, with, with Steve, but also with the entire LA Tech community. Uh, there's a Facebook group for We Are LA Tech. Uh, go to wearelatech.com slash community to check that out on social. We Are LA Tech at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you soon again for next episode. Steve, thank you so much. This was awesome. Really appreciate it. Hi, this is Steve Raymond, CEO at Prism Labs. Prism's making body mapping available to everyone at minimal cost, delivering industry-leading accuracy and reliability. I'm based in Ocean Park, Santa Monica, and you are listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by... Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production.